0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paragliding Banter. First of all, thank you so much for all the love that you've shown uh, for this podcast and all the good feedback and sharing of the episodes that I get to hear. Uh, So really, thank you very much. Uh, This podcast is uh, a podcast where we have a very casual chat or banter about flying with personalities that range from professionals and competition pilots to our friends flying with us, uh, there is always a lot to learn and share from everyone. We become, we become a robust flying community when we learn of each other while enjoying what we like to do. That's fly. Also, our fellow pilots uh, become our only friends eventually because <laughs> we tend to just hang with uh, the pilots. And who else will actually tolerate our constant banter, isn't it, about flying? all all day through so today on this episode we have exactly that four of my fellow paragliding pilots and friends but the special thing about this is that all of them are commercial airline pilots flying aircrafts like the boeing's and the airbuses ranging from uh 737 uh, a320 uh, a boeing 787 so this is the four this is the first episode that i have four other speakers other than me so there are five of us so it's going to be a challenge to keep uh, an idea as to who's uh, really talking but we'll do a, we'll do the introduction in a bit and i'm i'm sure we'll be able to identify the names with the with the voices but i'll also put up the description of uh, all of them uh, in the episode details so you can always refer back to who is uh, who's on the chat so i'm already excited uh, about this uh, Podcast. So let's start the introduction and take off. So I would like you to sit back, relax and enjoy your podcast flight. So first off, we, I would like to welcome all your captains. We have uh, today with us Captain Ashutosh Chopra. We have Hi, Captain Sajid. Mohit Sharma. We have Captain Shabat Chan and we have Captain Barun Singh. Welcome guys. Hi, sorry. Thank you Hi. for uh, thank you for coming online. So just for uh, for the audience benefit, can I request you one by one to just introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your uh, your your flying uh, experience and uh, what aircrafts do you fly, and so that people know who they're talking to. So uh, Ashutosh would you like to uh, start.
1: Yeah, fine. Okay, so um, my name is Ashutosh Chopra and. Uh... I started flying about uh, 35 years ago. Uh, initially, uh, a lot of military flying. I was in the Air Force for about uh, 22 and a half years. I flew um, about 4,000 hours of fighter flying, which about uh, nearly 75 to 80 percent was on the Jaguar. I am uh, what's called an uh, A2 qualified uh, flying instructor in the Air Force, and uh, I'm also a graduate of the um, fighter as a fighter strike leader from the Tacty Air Force, which is you know the Indian uh, uh, Top Gun School. Having left the Air Force uh, primarily because I was getting, uh, you know, after active flying, you sit in a desk job and you get really tired of doing a desk job. And I said, I can't do this all my life. So I said, let me get out of here and um, do something else. And uh, I, I took up a uh, civilization and I joined the commercial flying with uh, flying the 77. Uh, I ended up flying about 8,000 hours on the 77. And um, I, I kind of quit uh, commercial flying this year. And uh, by now, uh, I had attained uh, being a typewriter instructor. So I've seen both military flying and, uh, and commercial flying from, both, from all angles. And uh, for our 25th anniversary, me and my wife, uh, Ritu, we decided that uh, we will learn uh, paragliding and uh, scuba diving. So uh, we decided to try it out. And uh, we don't have, I don't have much experience in paragliding. It's just about 60 odd hours of flying, about 120 odd um, flights. Uh, but uh, I understand the environment well. And I'm, I'm a keen uh, person to learn always. So I really enjoy it. And I especially love the camaraderie and, the, and all the group uh, stuff that we do. And the entire environment you know, goes along with it. So that's it. And uh, awesome. thank you very much for inviting me here and uh, to get us all involved in this discussion, this cross-talk. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's an honor actually to have you. And everybody else over here. So you you flew fighter jets and then commercial. Then you've been you've got huge experience and you started flying para. You started uh, flying paragliders and uh, you
1: which wing do you fly now, Ashutosh? I fly the BGD Epic. It's, Epic. A, okay. it's a It's a low end um, B low end kind of thing, very safe okay. or more, more like a high end, I think.
0: <laughs> okay, so now we will go back to that uh, in a bit. So thank you very much, Ashutosh. Next we have uh, Captain Mohit Sharma. Uh, Mohit, uh, some idea about what you do and, uh, and also about your recent trip, please.
2: Hi, Sajit, Thank you for <laughs> the invite. Hello, listeners. Uh, my name is Mohit. Uh, I started flying fixed-wing aircraft in 2007. That was when I was learning my initial flying and been in the airline industry for almost 12 years. Uh, I flew initially Boeing 737, which is one of the most uh, famous fixed-wing aircraft. <laughs> Most popular, uh, one. Yeah. yeah, most the popular one course. for the good reason and the bad reason as well. <laughs> and uh, these days I'm flying Airbus C 320 which is again very famous. I've got like almost 8,000 hours of flying experience on in commercial flying. Nice. And yes, presently flying with the India's biggest airline. And that's my <laughs> professional experience. And apart from, I picked up paragliding uh, about uh, five years back. Uh, and and the reason for that, I love to flying. And I just wanted to come feel, uh, uh, I just want to have more feel of the wing. I mean, just more freedom in flying. So that's why I came to paragliding. And, and, your, been,
0: and your recent one was in Beer. You were in Beer some time
2: ago. Uh, yeah, Beer and then Rio as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you just say Rio?
2: Yeah, I just oh, happened to be in Rio because of uh, our recent trip to Brazil, I had to deliver an aircraft back to its owner and then I just came to know that there's a flying side over there which uh, happened to, it it was a surprise for me that there's a beautiful flying side over there. I went there, I rented a wing, it was an amazing flight.
0: (laughs) Awesome, we want to hear more about that (laughs) eventually now. Thank you very much, uh, Mohit. And uh, the the next person we have is uh, Captain Shabat Chand who is uh, also uh, flying... Uh, bigger aircrafts, but uh, we've not seen them for quite some time now in India. Sabat, can we hear from you, please? Hi, everyone.
3: Hi, Sajid. The the intro is uh, probably, I mean, the spotlight is a little too much. I don't think I, I'm deserving enough, but uh, thanks anyway. Good to be here. Good to see all all of us again, because, yeah, like you said, it's become far and few. Yeah. Uh, I have... About 14 years of uh, commercial airline experience as on date. I started out on the 737 uh, in 2007. And I currently fly the Dreamliner uh, 787s. So basically, it's been uh, boiling uh, for me all the way. And I've enjoyed it thoroughly. In fact, awesome. uh, three of us here have been in the same airline at some point. And oh. uh, more and I have even flown together. Uh, nice. I don't think I flew with sir uh but tandem, I, have, right? I have uh <laughs> no but I've, i have shared the cockpit with him i was uh okay. traveling on his flight a few right. times in fact nice but uh, we haven't really flown uh together uh i fly a bgd epic uh started off in actually i started in 2012 but i kind of scratched that the real flying only started in 2018 okay. It was very sporadic uh between 2012 and 16 and uh Actually, sir, Ritu, ma'am, and myself, we we got our wings together. We oh. them okay. in, in Bali in 2018, and it's been spectacular since. Awesome. My, my commercial uh, flying experience, I just crossed the 10,000 mark. Uh, wow! Last wow! <laughs> yeah. Awesome! It's awesome. But,
0: Good. Thank you. Thank and you. fact, so who yeah.
3: told me that you can have 10,000 hours of experience, so you can have one hour of experience 10,000 times. So I try and uh, try and keep that in mind. Nice, that's a nice line, man. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it works for paragliding also, I guess. I guess, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. All right,
0: then we have uh, Captain Varun Singh with us, uh, who's also uh, uh, been in beer. Uh, We have actually flown a little bit together in Bilaspur. Uh, Varun, welcome, and can we hear
4: from you? Hi everyone. Hi Sajid sir. So I'm Varun Singh. And I started uh, my training, aviation training, in 2008. And uh, my aviation flying career uh, started in 2012. About eight years of experience. I've uh, accumulated about 4,500 hours as of now, all on Airbus 320 aircraft, also uh, flying with one of the domestic airlines in India and i started paragliding in 2018 two and a half years and it's been an amazing journey when i went for the course i had very little idea about paragliding but i wanted to you know try more of it more more of different kinds of flying paragliding seemed like a good idea friend over a few beers suggested he thought that i would be one of the mad guys who would agree to his idea. So he was like, Varun, do you want to go for a pad course with me? And I was like, yes, let's go for it. So that's how the journey, that's how the thing started and uh, so in those, in these past two and a half years, I have accumulated about 110 hours of flying in about seven, nice. eight different sites. And my favorite site as of now is Beer, where I've flown for the last like four, five seasons. At least four seasons, yes. Last uh, trip was uh, more about understanding the scenario there in uh, spring season, which is supposed to be rough, and situations are a little uh, tough there. And I was progressing more into my cross-country flying. So, uh, it wasn't... I mean, I had a really great time. (laughs) And keeping the safety intact and doing things within that safety threshold it helped me a lot to you know grow in the sport and uh, i i fly advanced g xi which is the light version of iota 2 so that's all about it
0: <laughs> nice nice I've seen you flying. I've seen uh, you know, we've flown together. It's really nice and it's a good thing that you've gone to be. It's really important. Thank so thank you very much, everyone. Thank you uh, for joining me on uh, on the podcast and I'm really happy and honored to have all of you. It's We have to go over cover a lot of things. A lot of things we want to learn from you guys. So please feel free. There's going to be a free chat. Just join in whenever you want and uh, it's, it's very casual chat. So don't uh, don't don't be afraid to cut in anytime and uh, let's have some fun so let's start i'm going to start with my first question and uh, this for all of you uh, what the hell is wrong with you guys really like, what what is
3: wrong with you guys like you know are,
0: let me explain this to you like no, no, uh, we, whoever we're,
3: we're sitting here in front of you that <laughs> we need to go any further on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that too but guys you
0: fly you fly big machines you fly state of the art machines you fly you get to see scenery you uh, that we really don't get to see and uh, you also get paid to fly so my point is, in a lighter way, I was asking that, but my point is that, what is this thing about paragliding that brings you to fly a, a, a wing, just a wing, by yourself, in the free air? What What's the drive for that? What's your uh,
1: thing for paragliding? Anyone? I, I think what happens is um, for someone who's let's say in commercial flying, I'm not, I'm not talking about military flying, but for someone who's in commercial flying, uh, what happens is that uh, you're you're in you know you know you're in a very sanitized environment. You're in a cocoon. It's a big cockpit. It's massive. Uh, you're detached from the external environment completely. Uh, there's no sense of speed other than uh, when you are taking off or landing. So it's a or when you're crossing clouds or something, and uh, you can get up and walk around. You know, and uh, for <laughs> a large portion of <laughs> for a large portion of that flight, uh, you know, you're flying on automation. Believe it or not, I mean. Uh, people like me, uh, you know, regularly. I think, I think it's a common, it's common knowledge in Indian aviation. I've done a lot of model uh, flying when I was uh, in the air, but a large percentage of all of us, we fly with the automation on uh, for a large portion of the time. So actually, what happens is, and I had this problem earlier because I was flying an aircraft which was uh, without any automation in the in the air force. I always felt this thing is taking me for right because. You would move a knob, the aircraft would do something. You move another knob, the aircraft would do something. So there was no direct uh, attachment to the thing. the thing. I think one thing that might draw somebody is that you might remember your good old days as a carrot as a or your good old days when you were doing your licensing and seaplane and all that, when you were flying an aircraft with your hand and you enjoyed that flying. And you remember that if I do something which is so physically active as that, maybe I will get, a, get the same thrill I got that I got then. So I think that might be one reason.
0: Right. So the other part from getting to get up and walk around, and you are flying in the aircraft, you can also go to the loop. Whereas we have to struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, else uh, Mohit, you want to? Uh, do you think you agree with that, or is there something? Yeah, else I totally agree to with
2: the Captain Chopra. But uh, like, uh, so I always wanted to be an airline pilot, to be frank. Right. Uh, because of my eyesight, I could never be like I could never be a fighter pilot. So I always wanted to be an airline pilot, but. Somewhere down the line in, in my heart, I always wanted to do some acrobatic flying on a fixed ah, wing. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I still want to, but it. it's an expensive thing to learn. First of all, on a fixed wing, and plus, it's a sport that you may not be able to continue right. in India because of the restrictions and limitation right. in in our country. If if it have if you happen to be in US, then you may have your own aircraft and you fly freely over there. But uh, yeah, in India, it's a bit of a hassle. So Best is and club love,
0: paraglider then.
2: Yeah, so then I was introduced uh, to paragliding about like eight years back. That was my first tandem flight there. And then uh, someone told me that there are excellent uh, flying schools in India which can teach you like really good, uh, uh, they, can, they can train you really well on paragliding and you can progress on to become an pilot as well. And then awesome. I and then I joined this sport basically. My, my, my idea was to have some uh, free flying experience. Right. And... and and like yes, totally awesome. Up for awesome. That.
0: Yeah. So I guess uh, uh, I think the rest, both of you, uh, Shabad and Varun, also agree to that. It's it's about the feel of the. In uh,
3: in, in part, uh, it's not yeah. just the mobs. Like Sir Sir saying that because none of us have flown fighters, so he uh-huh. can put that one on us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we no, have the, thing, there's, no the way, there's no way we can match that. So I mean, you have to accept it. <laughs> but yeah. so these are these are definitely. Uh, engineering marvels, no doubt about it. And there's right. a lot of power under the uh, under your seat, even on this. But airline flying is very procedure flying. Uh, okay. You know, you can train a gl- guy to do what you want him to do within that envelope. And uh, and most of the drill and most of the practice is procedure. Right. Uh, and it's and it's a it's it's multi-pilot, right? Right. So for me, paragliding was is like just going back to the more elemental form of flying. When I started out, it was. I had no interest, I had no knowledge, nor was I interested in finding out about what is acro, what is cross-country. I just wanted to get off that ridge, fly for a little while, land, sit around there and go back. I that's, had no interest. That's how paragliding should be. And I was in my own frequency. But just the fact that, you know, it's it's pure contact with uh, the element and right. what is exactly what you'll feel or vice versa. Yeah. So that's the draw. And I think any form of aviation, once you start getting involved and if it if it appeals to you, then uh, it's some kind of gravity. It's got it, it. You want to try every other form that is right, possible.
0: Right. That's, you, that's also true.
3: Like I'm sure you would want to fly an aircraft. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it's like that. I mean, it's like that for most people. Sir, yeah. sir started from, from the top down, right? Right. So, you know. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, from no, aircraft no. to commercial no, no. too,
0: yeah. And uh, Varun, for you, I think uh, I've seen you flying the most here, and uh, you've got, uh, I think, some, uh, I think, the highest amount of hours on a paraglider. And I, I, I see you hog paragliding. I mean, I, I see you desperate to fly in a good way. You, you were. Uh, there was this incident where uh, something had happened to his glider in Bilaspur, and he went all the way during the day to be repaired. It came back in the evening and flew the next day. Now he's dedicated. So, what is your thing? What is this 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 thing for paragliding over the aircraft? What, what, what do you have to say?
4: So, the idea of coming into paragliding was, I heard the word adventure. So, adventure brought me to the sport. With zero idea about what it's all about. But when I started doing it, when I got into it, I realized that it involves a lot of, there's a lot of involvement of a lot many things. Like, you have to be physically fit and it helps you getting into That's that physical true. fitness zone and understanding getting a connect with the paraglider and once you connect that that uh, magic that happens you no know? so <laughs> it it really drove me to learn the sport the initial idea was to learn it in the proper manner as okay. best as i can you know in okay. the given resources that i have so that learning kept on growing and i uh, started getting more into the sport and got to learn so
0: so but the pull is there for you about free flying Over, yes you you feel that
4: yeah I, I do feel it without a doubt so commercial flying right now in the present in the present times with such a highly automated aircraft we are we are now called cockpit managers than being called pilots <laughs> frankly <laughs> So it's more of management than of flying. We for a even for a four-hour flight, we get to fly the aircraft for like hardly ten minutes, five minutes right. of, six minutes of landing, and like two three minutes of takeoff. Right. That's how that's how much flying we get.
0: Well, that's still so
4: one thing that I realized is one thing which personally happened to me a lot was fatigue and stress levels were very okay. high when we when I was flying continuously, okay. monotonously for like days on and off. So physical fitness was taking a height all on my body and my uh, body mind coordination was like getting a little off the moment I came into paragliding that I started realizing initially I started realizing that this body mind coordination is a little off and slowly as I progressed in the sport that body mind coordination started getting back to its track and that's when I realized the importance of this sport especially especially uh, amalgamating both the commercial flying and this so, so amazing,
0: amazing point so what i hear from all of you is that there is a there is a love for free flying there is a love for feeling the air on your face there's a there's a love for uh, uh, direct input that you feel in, in a paraglider and like you said now Varun, uh, that physical fitness is also important and it helps you be fit which which uh, you know like any other sport can do but this actually demands a lot more fitness from us so that's, that's really interesting, guys. So let me ask you're, you. Uh, you're basically flying the aircraft. Yeah, go ahead. You're
4: basically flying a paraglider using your body. So it's nah. not just your mind which is giving the inputs. That's
0: it's right. your whole
4: body and mind which is uniting with the paraglider and the whole thing is coming
0: in a, you know, homogeneous it's, manner. It's an Im- immersive kind of an experience for you. It's amazing. Yes. So now I know nothing's wrong with it's you guys. That was my experience. question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to leave this open. Anyone can answer any, any time. Uh, when you learn flying, when you learn commercial flying, uh, you obviously go through a lot of uh, theories and you you obviously know a lot more than what we learn. Uh, we as in uh, the paragliding community, I and mean, you guys are also part of that. But when we learn that part, it's, it's basic. Okay, but what we need to know, what's a wing, what's aerodynamics, lift, drag, uh, pitch, roll, uh, your everything all that is there but you guys know a lot more of that and you practice that on a fixed wing you you practice stalls you practice uh, spins spirals how was it different for you to apply the same thing on a paraglider or while learning was it easy for you to grasp the aerodynamics and when you were flying uh, how do you what do you feel do you really actually appreciate all that easier
2: So first thing that I noticed on a paraglider, which was uh, I couldn't understand actually. So in an aircraft, to turn, you if you if you have to turn right, and then uh, your right aileron goes up basically. Right. But you're pulling this. And yeah, and Ah. so it's going up, and in the wing it was happening the opposite. (laughs) And Ah. I was totally confused. Then I have to bring a little more dynamics into the picture and understand. What's ah, <laughs> the real reason, yeah. But huh, people, I understand. All well, those who were new to the sport, they could easily grasp it. I mean, you apply right back; it yeah. return by it. For yeah. me, it was slightly. I was initially yeah. initial part was like I was like trying to apply my fixing knowledge into this, right. and then I was like, let's keep that. Like, so the trailing play. trailing
0: edge comes down instead of going up uh, in an yes. aircraft. The aeron will go up, uh, but yes, here the trailing yes.
2: edge is coming down, creating
0: the drag yes. and turning you around. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's interesting. It's very interesting. So, I never thought about that.
2: So, it, it took you some time to understand that. Have you done your SIV?
0: Yeah. Have you stalled your
2: glider? Uh, not yet, but I have, I have been because of the COVID, I couldn't do it, but okay. I've been planning for last two years. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you
0: would have stalled your uh, fixed wing uh, plane, which still remains intact, but this will collapse. <laughs> this will
3: collapse. Yes. Anyone else you want but,
0: to answer that or should I? I think
3: yeah. more of it, you have to uh, uh, not, let it, not let it flood your paragliding. Theory. Okay. Because uh, it's not really required as much here. Right. Yep. right. That's one reason. The other thing is that if you bring in too many dynamics, you you actually are moving away from what is happening with the wing. The okay. real Even thing. In hindsight, yeah. when yeah. you land yeah. and you can figure out and, yeah. and try and do it again on your next next flight. But to overdo it, it like for me personally, at some point, I had to I had to consciously tell myself it's completely different. Right. Just so that I don't bring my muscle memory and right. background information into it, and that way I was all, it also worked well in the sense that I was now listening more attentively <laughs> to what what what, right. what what I'm being told. Right. So yeah, elementally they have a lot of maybe maybe I think for us the advantage is that I can understand some concepts faster probably right. uh, by virtue of having seen those diagrams earlier, you know, applied them or you know done quizzes or exams on it. Uh, but to there are no engines on this, right? So it changes a lot of things. Uh, it's right. it's more organic. I mean, I think for me, I at one point I, I actually uh, made a clear line that I'm not going to let it spill over from there into here, and that that works works for me.
0: But uh, you had that point where you had to
3: think, okay, I don't want to spill this over. This is different. I was com- I was yeah. overcomplicating it. Okay. For no
0: reason. Uh, okay. Because we have heard theories from Ashutosh uh, when. Uh, Last year and during lockdown when we had our uh, our online sessions, uh, his theories are way, way, way ahead from what we know. And it sort of takes some time to understand. So I can understand the amount of knowledge that you have and you bring in. Um, and here you come to a glider, which is basically reacting in a slower manner. In, a, in, in I will not say calmer manner, but a slower manner. And uh, you are used to speed, but you're not getting that speed. And you are using that to climb. Uh, instead of climbing straight, you're trying to now climb in in circles. So what do you, what do you think about that, uh, Ashutosh?
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, no, one more thing about the theory thing. I mean, I'll, I'll come to this uh, flying okay. uh, uh, thing. Um, it made things very easy for me to understand because Uh, You know, my my overall uh, uh, knowledge, theory levels in aerodynamics etc., has been very, very good. So it makes things very easy, but it also added two or three dimensions, uh, which are actually problematic. One thing that was problematic was that when you were being taught something by an instructor who himself has not been formally taught aerodynamics as a a technical subject, he has either been taught by another person who doesn't have technical knowledge himself, or learned directly from books which are not technically or you know oriented towards teaching aerodynamics. Right. They would at times say something which which I knew to be factually incorrect. Right. So that would actually really clutter my mind. I said, Listen, is he is he does, is he privy to something which is peculiar to an, right. uh, a wing like the paradigm as compared right. to you know a fixed wing aircraft? Right. It's something I don't know where there's a variable involved right and that created a lot of conflict in my mind and a lot of times i had discussions with them right and then fine and, and a lot of times actually i clarified a whole, lot, whole bunch of things for them but that was one issue the other thing i felt was which was which is which was okay and it really helped me a lot personally and that was when somebody spoke something which was actually very very uh let's say technically complicated but i could i could grasp it fast and that actually made things much easier for me for example during the lockdown, there was a talk by somebody who was, I think, from either gym or Ozone or, or somebody, a, a very, uh, a person with technical background who's done, who's been designing for uh, Nova. these wings. Nova, yes, sorry, I, I, you're right. And they, we were discussing the size of the wings, you know, smaller, better, scaling them down, scaling them up. And he said, no, there's a lot of problems when you scale them down. And the moment he said that, I knew exactly what was happening. You got the scale effects, this issue of Reynolds number, and I, I knew how it complicates things with interference drags and things. All of a sudden, in one go, it right. was like you know, crack. Everything right. is, is was clear, I said I knew why he's saying that. Those things are advantages, but like like uh, Shavad mentioned, very true. You start overthinking, and a person like me, I start overthinking excessively, and that actually has has uh, played the and create things beyond a certain point when you know right. you shouldn't be thinking about something. So that's that. Okay. So I'll leaving that side, coming back to your point about uh, flying just straight or flying only in circles and things like that you know, uh, in the end, uh, I, I my take on this is this: you always feel that. Um,
0: no, I don't mean. In, sorry, I, I don't mean I want, flying in circles. What I mean is for you guys, you're you're inclined to go straight up. When you want to climb, mm. but in a paraglider, mm-hmm. you need to look for a thermal and go and climb the thermal in circles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, I don't think that's a problem because uh, I think as a pilot, you always uh, feel this is what I want to achieve. It is a right. goal. It's a goal mindset. You know, right. I want to climb. I want to descend. Right. I want to be. I want to be in so I don't want to be in and also. Right. I want to get uh, lose too so much height or whatever. So it's goal oriented, and then the, in the end, whatever it takes. Right. Whether it involves movements, sorry,
3: whatever. sorry. I, I think that's your impression that we are used to going straight and you know dog legs and all uh, it, it doesn't that's your impression of what right probably we
0: no i'm just asking i don't know it's what right.
3: and as like sir is saying it's, yeah. well, most of us uh, i think by virtue of the the structure of this form of aviation right. is based on a goal and then you have that insight, and you work backwards, and you develop a plan and an action, and okay. then you kind of fly through those loops to get there. So it, that adapt, adapting is pretty quick for for this mindset, I think. This skill set.
0: Okay.
3: Also, uh, yeah, I think that I think that, like Sir said, exactly. It it you you already know what you have to do, and then you're already
1: working uh, backwards from there, okay. or, or working okay, towards so- it already. I just I just remembered something, you know, uh, once again, I'm going to go back to that theory thing. Okay. One (laughs) thing. (laughs) One thing, yes, sorry. One thing. And actually, this is very important because anybody who starts flying this, and it's my personal feeling that if you think about this, 90% of your issues of of your aircraft control issues and what you want to do will get sorted out. I feel this, but in spite of my low experience in in And that's this. When you fly a fixed-wing aircraft, and I think we spoke about this a long time back when we discussed that theory during the, in the, in the, in the lockdown.
2: Okay.
1: The CG of the aircraft is somewhere very close to where the wing is. Very close. In the, you know, in the case of big airliners, it'd be somewhere uh, between the two places where the engines are in the middle of the body. CG is center is of in gravity. The aircraft, it's not outside. However, in the paraglider, the wing is very far away from you. Right. CG where the entire weight is is below. Right. When you turn a fixed wing aircraft, because the CG is right exactly where the wing is or the body is, there's very little interplay between the two.
2: Right.
1: However, in in the pilot, because the CG is so far away, the, the weight is somewhere else. These two play havoc with each other, and they have a lot of things. You know, a simple example: you do a turn and you roll out. And you need to yank the, curb, uh, you know, not, not yank, but at least give a touch of break on the same side, which is counterintuitive. Right. To prevent that that roll, that little pendulum, roll that you do. Pendulum effect. The pendulum effect, which gets magnified when you try to do a rapid roll out from a steep turn, or what do you call it, a, a spiral? Spire. When when you, you know you really need to yank it to keep it straight afterwards. So that kind of stuff, which if you right. if you think about. It, Oh, I'm sitting here. The whole weight is here. This thing is flying far above me. When fixed-wing guys fly and they think about this, a lot of the thing, I think, I think a lot of the a lot of the their uh, issues will get uh, clear. I think. Anyway, okay. Sorry, okay. I, I have to go back there. <laughs> no,
3: uh, even I think for us fixed-wing types, uh, you know, the quick and small, quick and small correction thing doesn't really work in our favor in a paraglider very true very true yeah. i have suffered because me too and it's a constant reminder i have to tell myself it came to light in beer because the yeah. is less so i was inducing roles very close to and i couldn't figure out why because my eyes and my senses are automatically tuned to anticipate so i'm giving quick and small quick and small corrections which is how we fly a fixed wing airplane that's what we you've been trained to do quick and small corrections my, my body's inte- minds right. intelligence is it's like a second nature to me right so you That's have like I said, you know, you don't at some point you have to draw a line and not let the two things ah, okay. uh, it okay. applies to your theoretical as well as your right. uh, it's uh, very interesting techniques. Is yeah. like we all all through, whatever fixed wing you fly, you are it's a quick correction, small correction, quick, you know, we keep yeah. doing that all the way. Because the speed is also very high and you need to really uh, multiple to factors. Get, yeah, it, a lot of need, factors. Yeah, know, true. Because true. also, see. Uh, here you don't have the liberty of overshooting too much. It's a right. point. You aim for a point. Right. So all your corrections bring it back to that yeah. point. But also in a paraglider, there's a
0: delay in reaction. Uh, it also depends upon uh, like like when you kite, when you give an input, you have to wait for at least a second for it to react. And that's the trick of kiting because initially when even I tried to kite, I just couldn't get it. And I would right. give massive correction and then you know then I would leave it, and but they do react. So when you figure out there is a delay in reaction, uh, with paragliders, you sort of get in tune with the glider. But again, if you're in a thermal and if you're in heavy wind, strong winds, that mm-hmm. becomes shorter. So it it reacts immediately. So those those kind of things. But you're right. Uh, and understand, uh, we haven't heard from Varun, but I'm going to ask Varun a question now. Uh, I understand that you know it was difficult for you. You had to go back from you you had to you had to go back from uh, your learning and. Uh, when you were flying a paraglider, like how you explain the CG and stuff. And then you had to also uh, understand what the wing paraglider is doing, uh, which was a little de-learning. But there are also things that you imbibe from your flying, which you apply to paragliding, which we as paragliders, basic paragliders, only paragliders don't do. And and I've seen that happen uh, by Varun, what Warren did, uh, or rather what you guys do in, in the cockpit, is you always follow a checklist. You always have a list of things to do. So whether it be it before uh, engine start checklist or before uh, takeoff checklist, landing checklist, you have things so listed down which you actually read and confirm with your co-pilot to make sure that you don't miss out on certain things. Now, this is also very important for us because there are a lot of people who are uh, taking off uh, there are a lot of instances where somebody's forgotten their chest strap, somebody's forgotten to turn the radio on, somebody's forgotten the video, some bags are left behind, some people forget to strap their helmets in. Uh, you would have seen the, uh, the, the recent video from Rio where a uh, 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 hang glider uh, guy forgot to, the pilot forgot to attach himself and took off with a tandem passenger and he was hanging down uh, below the hang glider because he just forgot, it's not part of the checklist. So what we saw recently, not recently, but a few years ago is uh, Varun who came to, uh, uh, who was at our, who was flying with us and we saw a checklist on his harness and we were amazed by that because nobody thought about that before. You know, it's how easy it is just to put a thing on your harness, which says, okay, have you done this? Have you done the seven steps uh, of uh, going in? So Varun, could you please talk to us as to why did you do that? That's that's a very a very interesting thing and I think everyone can, all of us can learn from you guys on that part.
4: So I was doing hops on the training hill and continuously just practicing. The idea was to crack my takeoffs and all. So at one point, I rushed up and winds got a little strong and the instructor just asked me, Varun, just go for the takeoff. And I forgot to put my leg straps. And the moment I inflated, and it, the the harness started slipping. I just basically brought the glider down. But in that moment, I realized that when things are a little stressful, when things are a little mixed up, and especially at the takeoff where the stress levels are very high, there's a high, there is a very high possibility of forgetting something. So your mind might not be focused in a manner that it's able to bring everything out in a sequenced manner. Right. So that's where the aviation uh, knowledge came in and I put that checklist and how the checklist helps bring things out. There's a, there's a defined uh, chronologically sorry, uh, listed thing where numbered thing where you can basically and when you, when you keep doing it again and again and again, that's then nice. it gets embedded in your mind.
0: So it's a, it's a very interesting point, and this is one of the episodes previously I've done was about getting ready, and one of the things that we did, we, did, we didn't think about this checklist thing. What we do is everyone uh, at the takeoff uh, has got their own uh, personal way of getting ready, and we don't talk to each other, and and if somebody keeps calling out a name, we might reply, but we'll start our process all over again if we were in the middle of the process. Uh Initially, when I was flying the open seat harness, it was just quick strap in and go. And I always wonder what my other friends were doing, sitting down, doing the pod harness and putting this, putting that. But when I moved to a pod harness and when I needed ballast and I, I realized I need a lot of more attention to it. So then what we do is we have a process that, you know, I open my bag, first thing helmet, I put my helmet on, I club it in. Without the helmet, I will not do anything else. So there is a process. Also, the way we bring our wing out and keep it on this side of the harness, and which zip we open first. So it's just a mental process. But yes, there is a high degree of uh, 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 of missing something, in spite of the man. But so a written checklist will really will really help. So that's a, the that's idea a of,
4: the idea of bringing the checklist system in civil aviation was that. I mean, it was scientifically done. It, there was a lot of observation involved and people realized that as human beings, we are we are made to forget, we are made to make mistakes. Right. So making mistakes is a very right. natural process of human life.
2: That's so a,
4: in order to culminate it, in order to get over it, checklist is a very easy and a very good way of, you know, handling your uh, errors, basically.
0: What do you have on a checklist? Can you just quickly just remember? Just example. Yeah, yeah. You have? Simple,
4: be safe. Initially, I have just B safe in my notebook. I made the whole procedure uh, of what all is to be taken care of and what. J- whenever you go to the takeoff site, from what point do you start? Like the mental state and your currency, where you are, and your mental and your uh, equipment. From there on, come down to the B safe. So I have just seven elements: P E S A F E sorry six so buckles equipments stop line airflow did i okay. am i so in the correct yeah. would, buckles, would, you, would
0: it be possible for line. you to yeah. send us a picture of that if if you don't mind if i can share this along with the podcast i mean i put sure, it in the description sure. people can use it that'll be an amazing part sure. for us today.
4: i'll have to find it but my my kit is completely packed up but i'll, okay, I'll whenever, try and find it whenever yeah i understand sure. because but, it's monsoon okay.
0: here yeah Another, Sorry, I should, another
1: thing that you can add to this uh, checklist, thing, you know, which is, I think, useful. Uh, 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 another dimension to the checklist thing uh, is that whenever you do something, if you do it always in a particular sequence right. with a particular way of moving your hands, fingers, and body, what happens is you start developing a lot of muscle memory. Right. So, for example, when I put on my harness, I hold it with my right hand, With the right strap over my shoulder when i'm putting in the you know the clips i put them in a certain sequence always holding one of those buckles in a particular way the other one in a particular way so when you do the same thing the same way a very large number of times so that you not only the checklist but this muscle memory when something goes different you always feel this feeling oh something's gone wrong I was supposed to do this and I haven't done it. Because my hand hasn't moved in a particular way. That's one. And the third dimension I feel to this is to do everything in reverse. Meaning, you tell yourself, if I don't do X, what will I see and sense? If I forget to wear my leg straps. Every time when I'm struggling to walk with my mushroom harness to the takeoff point, from the assembly point, it's difficult to walk because that the leg straps are holding your legs. The, the entire know, so the uh, feeling is right. All clapping yeah. against your leg, and you can't walk properly. That tells you that you got your leg straps on. Correct. You know you feel free in your legs. Correct. You know something is wrong. So the but if you have not thought about it, it will probably might, might might not strike you. So you must think when this is not done or that is not done or this is done incorrectly. What will tell me? What will I sense? What will I see? What will I hear? And that could add as a as a as a third fallback on the checklist to make sure things go fine.
0: So continuing on the same habits, I, w- I want to talk about the habits that you have while flying uh, powered planes and commercial planes versus com- uh, to uh, applying that on paragliders. Now, I'm not saying that we need to apply, but there's certain uh, discipline and certain. Uh, Procedures that you have and it's like becomes second nature to you when you're flying. So uh, Mohit, uh, let me ask you when you're taking off. uh, You get you on a commercial airplane, you have a a speed set, a takeoff speed set and you have a a rotation speed and you know when you're going to take off and you've calculated that and you monitor that, but when you're taking off on a on a glider. uh, Be it in calm shit when there are strong winds versus uh, a beer where you got to run a lot what what goes on in your, your mind do you do you feel that you need to go in a particular direction to run or you're able to change correct on the way like why i say that is that is it like a runway habit for you that now i need to maintain the center line or how does that does that create a problem for you or you have you've adapted?
2: Uh, i can't really uh, i can't really compare both here because of, like like you mentioned we, we need to go in one one, uh, we have to run on center lines. We can't really go right or left, right? But on a paraglider, you need to adjust. But does that come so, naturally
0: to you? Is what I'm asking.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, at times, yes, I would say in a paraglider, yes, I have adjusted my uh, path, a uh, bit of change in wind direction because I had to now run right. in a slightly different direction to get airborne to get a proper loft. But yeah, on aircraft we can't really do that. But on right. paraglider, you need to adapt so you're okay with
0: that. But yeah. yeah, I
3: mean okay yes.
2: Okay.
0: Anyone else? Any experience, any input on this?
3: In the aircraft, okay. in the aircraft, you deploy the controls to maintain that. Right. Here, here you adjust yourself physically right. to maintain it. And it comes naturally to anybody. So it's nice, it has, right? it has if I put you on a road which is and there's grass on both sides of it. Automatically, your brain will tell you to do whatever it takes to stay on the road. Right, it's like that. So it's that's not a. That's not a yeah, It's thing. not. It doesn't. Okay.
0: Okay then. Any any thoughts on thermaling? Does that uh, is that. There- What's that? <laughs> as
2: as as an airline pilot, uh, as an airline pilot, I used to just hate. Thermic condition when right. I'm flying up extra, I seriously use beard. Every time you're coming to Delhi and it is summer, uh, it's a peak summer day. So, like, you just hate it because your is is,
3: bouncing, is,
0: bouncing is generally
3: very polite, except uh, his language gets extremely colorful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's, that that this, this was actually my second question, but go on, go on, Mohith, This is what I, I want to hear
2: after coming after coming into paragliding i totally i have a different view towards thermal now i i have okay. fallen in love with thermals now oh, awesome while uh, now and I, yeah so now even if i'm flying a commercial jet i somehow you know just try and adapt like i appreciate it other day the thermal i need to adjust slight bit of control so but I, I don't
3: i don't really like dislike it that much now after starting <laughs> But, like really nice. actually, yeah. That's really nice. but I think I think his passengers liked it earlier better when he was yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but,
1: so but, sorry, uh, Ashutosh, you want to say something? No, no, I, I was just thinking that you know uh, um, this thing about thermaling that you mentioned. Right. no't no matter how much theory you read, right. I know, I, because I love theory. I've i read so much stuff right. on thermaling. You know, if you mention something which has been talked about somebody in some fancy technique, I would have probably read about it. But, you know, from from my inside of my heart, what I really feel is it's a it's actually a black art because there are some people who can really, you know, smell their way around the air. And you see somebody who very effort, effort, uh, very very, very, very effort uh, moves in around and climbs up and goes away and. And He's mostly right. on the house, thermal, and beer. <laughs> yeah. like, what That's the hell? He genius. just came. That's yeah, I was thermal. here. He just climbed up. What's going on? And he just climbed up and yeah. uh, at some at the, I know you 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 go there yourself, like a guy like me, yeah. you know, who's <laughs> probably thinking too much. And, and you know, you're not being very sensitive to your body or to your wing or something. You land up in a place at one particular time, you climb up and you're somewhere there, and then you try and do it again, and you can't do a damn thing, and you wonder what the hell is going on. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And there's a guy who you the, the previous time he climbed then and he was yeah. then you second time and he again climbed up. Now you wonder what the hell you're doing wrong, you know? So it is a bit of a black art, that I think, comes uh, a lot. So with... everyone
0: does it. What I have also realized doing this podcast, guys, is uh, I spoke uh, on a few previous episodes on thermaling, and I had Viz and I had Gulpreet and I had uh, you know Jockey and uh, lots of other people who really we spoke about thermaling and I, what I realized is. Thermaling is, is like a personality. Okay, Everybody got a different personality of Thumbling, different idea of Thumbling, different style of Thumbling. There's like Ashutosh, like you rightly said, you can read books, you can get theories, but when you actually go and do it, it's completely different. What I do versus what Viz does or versus what uh, um, uh, Rohit does or anybody else does is completely different. We might end up there. Now, I'll give you an example. You know how Viz flies, Viz. You know Viz right? He's a he's a great pilot. He, he started with us, but now he like flies so well, and Alok for that matter. These are good people who, who we we learn from. Now there were four of us who were uh, who were flying uh, the other day um, in about I think in in Jan in uh, in Tower Hill. There was me, Rohit, Vishal, and Viz. Uh, Okay. So all four of us went, there was nobody on the takeoff. Everybody had gone home and we were just standing there and looking at the clouds, making plans. Okay. We'll follow this cloud. We'll do this. sources here. Big drama happened. We took off. Nobody's on the takeoff. Just four of us. We took off. Uh, Vishal and I get lift. We climb up. Rohit and uh, Viz come, or maybe some, some sequence like that, but there are two of us up, two two of them down. And then I lose that. And I, lose the thermal, I come down. Rohit and Wiz get that thermal, they climb, and now Vishal and I are struggling. And then slowly, these guys move from the left house thermal to tower side. And they're trying to struggle there, whereas I'm still struggling to find a thermal, and I get this thermal on the left-hand side, and I climb up. And I'm waiting up, and these guys decided to join me, seeing that I've climbed up over here. But now, Vishal and I move out, we fly out, uh, we transition, and suddenly vishal is flying an a glider he climbs he's in front of i can see him and he's flown in front of me and climbed like this and just gone away and i am i am in the same thermal and i'm not getting anything whereas rohit and Viz uh, have actually bombed out later on you know mm-hmm. so you're right thermaling is absolutely crazy it it is it, it is a moving air it is it's your own personality i, I mean Rohit and Viz are amazing Nine. pilots. They always outclimb everybody. But I'm saying there can be, you know, this happens. So in yeah. your flying, in your flying, when you start to climb like this, is there? Where are you with thermaling, uh, rough air? My next question was that, like, do you feel fear? Not after the SIV. Good. That's a that's a. That's
1: a good in in my case, uh, no, no zero fact. In fact, it's, it's, it's the other way around. So I'm I get very I need to keep reminding myself uh, that uh, you need to have a little fear or something. You're a, you're <laughs> but, a fighter pilot. You're <laughs> a different. <yeah>. Case. <laughs> <laughs> so that's other other way around. Um, uh, you know, no. But on this thermal thing, you know, what are the what are the thing on the thermaling thing before we move forward? You know, as as pilots. When we talk of the air, the environment right. you're flying in, you're talking of huge expanses. Right. When you know, somebody like uh, Shabbat who's flying these long-range 787s, you're you're flying for six hours, eight hours, or whatever. The places where you're concerned with weather are spanning over thousands of miles. But when you're flying in a paraglider, you're involved at a very, very, very macro-level, micro-level of, of, of airspace. And within that, when you talk about thermal, even smaller. So it's you know when you, it's, and then they're not it's not a steady uh, cylinder of rising air. You know, it's bubbles and packets, and uh, sometimes they are joining up together and coalescing. Sometimes they are they remain separate. So this this aspect is something which uh, as, a, as a as a fixed wing guy, <coughs> you know, flying uh, uh, it even for me who who does understand weather quite a bit it takes me a lot of uh, effort to yeah, bring myself down to that, that very very micro level to understand yeah. what's going right. on and the only
0: only solution to that is flying more there's nothing yes. i mean you can take your yeah, theory by heart the bloody book but when you go and fly and it also depends on your wing what what kind of wing you have for example when i was flying the epsilon i realized that you know one point of time uh, this wing was uh, uh, Wiz used to use this wing and he used to climb very uh, well so i bought uh, epsilon when I had to upgrade, what I realized was if you hold the epsilon outside brake, give it a little bit of brake when you're in a in a thermal in a bank, it climbs faster and better, and it, it's it remains steady. If you leave the outside brake, it sort of tends to sway a little bit and doesn't carve out very well. It's not
1: it's not efficient. Let me just to write move. that down. Huh? So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, ask I, ask Ask Varun about his experiences because he is the guy who, uh, who's the, the, uh, moved rapidly from I, one wing that, to the next. That, that's that's my... I was gonna, just going to ask him that. And a higher so, level wing and a higher level wing. Yeah. What, so, the uh, next... What,
0: what do you have to say about this? So, the next... The so i just complete. The next wing that yeah, I got... Yeah, yeah. The next wing that I got was uh, the Rook 2. Now, Rook 2 is different. If you if you hold the outside break, it doesn't want to move up. You need to let it go. And Rook 2 is... is is something that I realized is it will take you. You don't need to work. Like you said, automation, Rook2 is like that. If you bank it, and if, if the thermal is here, uh, let's say on your right-hand side, and you're, and you're flying here, it'll slowly pull you up like this. It'll just go there towards it. and But if you choke it there, if you give the outside break here, it will not move this side. So even it also depends upon the gliders that you fly and the characteristics of the glider. So, Varun, question to you now then. What what are the different you've flown different wings now? So what what do you what do you think? How was your experience?
4: Understanding the behavior of the glider is very important. So before I bought the glider, I read a lot about it. Any given paraglider, like Epsilon, so Epsilon, I first started reading about the safety ratings and all, and then I got to know, then I saw SIV videos on YouTube. So every paraglider depending on the material, depending on the wing span. So every glider has a has a certain characteristic property in terms of the handling. Right. So feeling the glider and understanding how this glider, you know, flies in a better way. So epsilon was uh, in terms of, say, suppose I moved to XI epsilon. So let me get back to the basics. So when I moved from... Uh, a glider in my training days to Epsilon Seven, I realized that this glider is a very agile glider. As in the moment I give an input, the glider turns. So I really liked it because I could, I could. The sensing part was really working out very nicely. So when I started doing thermaling on Epsilon Seven in the very early stage, I could connect. I could connect better to the glider. As you said, now these things, these small small things that you learn when you fly a paraglider. So you. Like in suppose advanced XI, when you thermal, so I read about it that the brake required to maintain that bank angle is more in an XI. So when I when I started flying this wing, it took me some time to you know get into that zone where I'm where my uh, active piloting is actually thinking with the paraglider. Right. So. Then when I started thermaling, I could really, really connect to the glider in a way that so this part of understanding your glider behavior and matching it with the thermaling thermaling
0: skills. Right. That but, is what yeah.
4: basically. Yeah.
0: So, helps so us. here's the other thing that you know, you you've got your thermaling skills, you're now climbing in the air. Uh it is turbulent. Uh, you you like if Mohit is saying that he was worried about it in a fixed wing you can imagine how it is in a, in, a, in a paraglider but the thing is that in a, in a plane you can power your way out of a thermal in a paraglider you can't power out your way you can move away but let's say for an example any uh, an average size thermal it will take you probably 8 to 10 seconds for you to really cross that right pass through one side to the other is is what i think i, I might be wrong it's not it's just a uh, ballpark figure so in case you're feeling fear and if you feel that it's throwing around you a lot and you're not happy with it you just have to ride that 10 seconds out eventually it'll come out somewhere to a better uh, calm place so uh that is not how you are programmed right uh, Mohit mohet shabad how, how do you how do you
3: react to there. the kind of turbulence you're referring to in upper atmosphere the turbulence is you can't just power your way out of it right okay it, it, it magnifies it's 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 uh, something we're all afraid of and okay it's required to be afraid of it's not something you can uh, you know So you're get, also worried about it there's a lot of planning that goes into how okay. to avoid weather okay it's not, you don't want to find yourself in a position where you don't have any escape route
1: right.
3: so you Compare this kind of turbulence equivalently, okay. Then you can small turbulence, you can, right, right. but uh, but the one that Mohit was talking about over Delhi, healing the turbulence, then there is that kind of turbulence, not just you know, magnifying high be, be winds, high altitude turbulence yeah. that's different. And that, that, uh, we, I think everybody yeah. has yeah. Uh, <laughs> some special memories, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, wet hmm. banks also.
3: it's, uh, it's not. Uh, it's not as plain and simple that you have thrust or power and you can get out of it. It, it takes. It can shake you up quite badly.
0: So it is the same for you. But, guys, I, but so I believe what...
3: Sajid is, yeah. is
2: trying to mention here the turbulence related to thermals, right? Yeah, the one that you said that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that uh, that, that happens low level. Yeah, low level, and that is what we deal with usually on takeoff and landing. Right. So takeoff, it's easy. You have to just wait for maybe uh, five. Eight, 10 minutes, once you have gone through the inversion uh, layer, you don't find that okay. While land to deal with it, and since right. we are more or less flying on a fixed path fixed glide path, fixed look so you just have to deal with it, you have to adjust the power, you have to right. adjust the speed, and you bring down on a particular uh, trajectory, right. whereas in a paraglider, what I usually do uh, like I'm new to thermally, it's just been 3 seasons that I've been doing thermally and initially i was i was always i used to end up in turbulent paths right. of the thermal which used to be the downwind side or uh, sometimes on the edge of the thermal and i used to just uh, go away from it i like, okay, it's not I, I am not able to do it just go away later on i started pushing toward thermal and i realized if you fly on the downwind side you thermal will, you will find turbulent. sorry if you can try and look for the core of it, try to get inside the thermal, and that will give you lift also. That would give you uh, ascents also, and it might just take you above uh, inversion with much better flying uh, condition. My, for, so for this is memory, what I yeah. usually do. These. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I usually do. If I find turbulent power, for the I try to look for the core of it. If I'm still not able to then try and, run a okay. and look for stable thermal and approach from the headwind side. Oh, okay. okay. Another small
4: thing uh, is that I was, we had these zoom sessions and one of very senior guys, I think it was BGD. So he said that it's better to keep the turns are more safer than level flight in a paraglider. So when, course, yeah. so this is something which I applied this time in beer in uh, the spring season. So if the, if the thermal is very strong and if it seems very like turbulent and you have to, you you're finding difficult to like evade it just turn gain height because as we gain height no matter how strong how turbulent the thermal things become mellower as we go up and you gain height and then you exit the thermal and it will never be difficult for you but in that moment if you try to evade it it can be very detrimental also
0: that's like
4: one time i was thermaling and i went i just went pushed me onto the lee side of it and my glider just collapsed and i realized i'm on the i'm in the lee side I just moved uh, out oh, in that moment but because I had already I agree reached with the button, edge. Yeah. but uh, the, the turning part as in if you keep turning the glider is solid it, it's it's very
0: yeah
4: uh, it's, it feels safe
0: actually. Yeah. yeah. That's what we mean, always say that if we feel there's a there's a problem we always turn in a thermal in, a, in rough air and that Golden.
1: I, I can't uh, hold myself back so i have to. No, i have to explain the theory behind it <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, okay so just, just minutes, right? everybody knows the end effect so let me explain to you why it happens <laughs> so the moment you initiate a turn all right your body is swinging around in a circle about a point around which the entire Uh, you know, bag that come you are turning around. There is a centrifugal force on your body, which is throwing your body outward and actually reciprocal reciprocal centrifugal force pulling inward. This is what keeps this is what keeps all the lines taut.
3: Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, And we all understand as long, as long as the lines are tight, the glider will remain stable, the glider will remain inflated, the glider will maintain the wing will maintain its shape. Is is that centripetal force? That little G you feel when you do the turn? Right. That's what's what's keeping you stable. Whereas when you're when you're flying level and like straight and the centripetal force is not there, your lines aren't taut. If something happens to your body or something happens to the wing, the lines can deform and not remain uh, tight. Absolutely, sir. You Absolutely. Just, if there you is, just if there
0: explained. Is... Uh, sorry,
4: sorry for. I'm just saying if there's a vortex, like if there's some, if there's air thrown above your glider, the glider will collapse, but in a turn, the glider is solid, you have a lot of speed with you, you have a lot of energy with you. So it helps the glider to maintain its trajectory and be less affected by turbulence.
0: And and that's exactly what, what is needed in infinity tumble. Because you want to keep the pressure on all the time. So So, Mohit, are you listening? Yes, <laughs> You're <the> actor, right? <laughs> we but need to do this. Another small
4: uh, thing which I would like to add in terms of thermaling is that you have to grow into thermaling. When you start, it's not like four days of flying will make you understand thermaling. It's a lot of understanding of the basics. So something, things which really helped me from the aviation background in terms of thermaling and flying is the basic part of everything, like basic aerodynamics basic metrology down as Ashu, Ashu said that down to the micro level.
1: Right.
4: So that knowledge that we had, we applied it to a very little amount in terms of civil aviation. But when I came to paragliding, the, the knowledge of metrology, the knowledge of understanding the sky and basic aerodynamics. So the understanding part and the application part. So you have to keep flying, keep doing this thermaling thing again and again and again and understand where you're flying what kind of a thermal it is and first and up uh, first you basically first you try to analyze what the day is gonna be and then you fly in that day and you understand what actually the day is so br- bridging that gap of understanding and practically doing it that's how and, I'm basically uh, I'm and- able to grow in thermaling
0: and you know what really helps for all this to be able to uh, be ready with whatever can happen in thermaling is wingovers. Absolutely. Because you see your wing here, you know that you can control it because that's what happens. You can see your wing go back, pitch back. You you know you can control your wing in all these directions, so you should be fine. Uh, yeah. But also uh, certain gliders can uh, full stall, collapse completely during... Uh, gust, uh i had an incident like that so again pulling that getting the getting used to that uh, yeah. that happens in in a high uh, uh, strong thermal, so it's like you go in and it like pulls you up and you know that okay it's it's going to pitch back it's going to you got to arrest it but then you got to go with the flow with an angle bank angle right. and it'll remain steady so yeah absolutely it's it is it is really an art it absolutely. is and it, it cannot teach this you, you know you can you can teach stall you can say that okay, you need to do this. This is what's going to happen. This is where the backfly is. Backfly will be different for different gliders, but that's where backfly is, and that's how a backfly looks, and that's how you come out of it. But thermaling is not that. You cannot explain. Yeah, I think you, you while I was learning, to... yeah,
4: while I was learning, there were different people who taught me different. Like when I was learning from one school, they taught me something. The other school, they talked about something else. But when i was doing it i tried to apply it and i realized that something which i do is completely different from all what i've learned
0: this,
2: Somebody this is exactly said, what happened this
4: turn and then yeah.
0: this, this is exactly what happens and and the other other complication guys is that you know we fly at shade, which is strong winds and which which have uh thermals which are inclined so we need to get our downwind leg a little bit longer and come back and when we face the wind which is strong wind. we just pitch back a little bit so it's not a smooth thing but in beer you got to be in in the center, and you know, just easy to easy to go up. Uh, spring is different, um, so th- there are a lot of different aspects to it. Where, so you need to keep adapting to your thermaling style. What you apply in punchkini and Kamshet cannot be applicable to to beef. So uh, that's the learning you know that you get individually from your own personality, talking to friends, understanding the air, and also the wing that you fly. So if you move from one wing to the other, it, it,
1: it changes a lot. Yeah, that that okay well exactly the same thing i want to add something sajit so, i you know what the thing is because of the number of variables that exist right. in thermaling are so large right that yeah that nobody can give you a formula that listen if if you have the combination of these four variables do x if you have got a combination of these eight variables do y so what people will do when they teach you thermaling is they will teach you subsets okay, in this particular chota condition with these very few fixed variables, you can try this. And that is the reason, that is the reason that no great guru of thermaling can can write down and tell you, listen, Matt, do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, and you'll be a good thermaling pilot. It can't be done for that reason. And that's the the reason why, uh, like Warren said, uh, fly more, fly more, experience more, Uh, and you know let your body do the thinking for you rather than your mind right and let the subconscious brain and also understanding
0: the the topography you know there are so many people who can climb up quickly but also glide okay okay Uh, we've gone to about an hour plus so I want to ask one final question and then I'll leave it open to you guys if you want to say something to our audience uh, our listeners my one question which is an important question is what do you do during a glide? Okay. We can learn climbing. We can learn thermaling, We can climb, but getting the right glide the glide ratio, because the reason I ask you, this is your landings on your aircrafts are very technical. You have a three degree angle a two degree angle, and you, you know how much you want to glide when you want to turn the power off. You have, a, I think you guys have an innate better understanding of the glide ratios. How does that work for you during glide? Be it coming in for landing or be come or moving from one thermal to the other, any anybody
1: please. In my case, I had a terrible time. <laughs> you know, in, <laughs> in spite of, you know, the you always do a three degree approach. There are very few airfields, you know, like Kathmandu and all that, where you do a five point three degree approach or whatever. But uh, You always do a three-degree approach. That
0: perspective... Can can I explain what you're saying? Three-degree approach is... Three-degree approach. Okay, okay.
1: Sorry.
0: Three-degree approach.
1: Okay, sorry. So, um, all the time, your mind, whenever it sees a runway, you always are correlating it with that. The more and more you fly, the more it gets fixed in your mind, the runway should look like this. So, in the beginning... In the beginning, I would always be uh, undershooting because if I got the same perspective of the landing field as I would for a fixed wing aircraft, I would always be undershooting. So I had to actually tell myself, remind myself, you're not flying, you're not flying, you're not flying in the cockpit. You're not flying in the cockpit. This is a glider. This is going to go at approximately one is to seven ratio. One is to seven ratio is a 8.5 degree approach. Right. You know, uh, or a seven, sorry, a 7.5 degree approach. It's it's a lot steeper. It should look like this. So <laughs> I had, a, I had a, I, it I took me a lot of effort in the first 10, 15 flights. What about I gliding from into...
0: one thermal to the other? Do you look at your uh, instrument? Do you look at a vario? Do you look at the glide the uh, uh the the glide ratio, or do you just do it by visual?
1: You know, once again, as far as I'm concerned, uh, a lot of theory, right? <laughs> go at the maximum speed, If you know, the, oh, I forget the name of that fellow who wrote that theorem down. Uh, it's just uh, coming to my mind right now. That number you calculate, uh, what's called? Um, macridi's. Ah, the macridis number, right? Which says, if the assurance level of the next thermal that you're going to go, so if it increases, then the higher the speed that you should be flying to the point, you know all that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I understand that, you know all that. But when it comes to
1: doing it,
2: yeah.
1: uh, you know. One day you do it right, one day you do it wrong. At my experience,
0: on the on the advanced gliders, on the on the uh, rises where the brakes are, that McRady's formula is sort of listed over there. In how much brake and yeah. wind speed and speed to like fly, speed to fly. But that really doesn't work. But see, that's, no, no, that's no, the no, thing. You know, climbing, kind of climbing, they made. Yeah, climbing is easy. Climbing is not. I won't say easy. I will say that you you eventually will get. But the difference between a good pilot and a bad pilot or rather a pilot who can read better would be if you can glide to the next level, taking the right line and gliding for a longer time further away is the right thing. So landing is different, of course.
1: The- no, actually, I, 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 I think I'll, I'll do a little disagreement here, Sajid. Okay. I don't know. I could be wrong. My experience level isn't so high in pilot landing, But if I remember correctly, one reason why I, I don't like calculators telling you a uh, uh, McCready number to remember, uh, calculate, is if, if I remember my theory correctly, it's got something to do with the assurance level. The assurance level of a higher uh, availability of a higher a higher degree of climb at the next point. Yeah. Since the calculator doesn't know that, how yeah. can it tell you anything? So, what it can do is tell you, give you a function of I, of, to fly as a ratio of the highest possible speed.
0: But you're talking about Macready's number. I'm talking about Vario. A Vario gives you a glide ratio, and the glide ratio oh. depends. So if you if you put your speed bar, the glide ratio might increase or decrease. So do you do you use that to glide? Yeah, I think actually it's uh, a go. mixture of things which is which we can apply. So I'm
4: just learning to transition like from uh, thermal to thermal and. What helps me right now is to experiment. Like change my line, see which line is giving me. So like 5-10 degrees according to... So basically factors which affect a glide are like winds. And uh, so uh, air which is more thermic or like suppose if we are transiting between two ridges, so the mid part, the air might be cold and descending. So it will basically affect your glide. So all the factors which affect the glide considering all those factors and experimenting with it and seeing how better it is coming out to be
0: okay
4: so being open to like situation and not fixing my mind like okay i'll just do this there are times and like experimenting initially to in the in the glide uh then you tend to Reach a point where you're able to realize, okay, this line is giving you, and it's more intuitive than instrumental, basically. Okay. Got so, it. yeah. So, sir, you might be knowing that uh, obviously you are aware of it that the instrument it gives you glide according also according to the lift that you're getting, or maybe okay. it's not that sinking in air. Correct. So it's not that Can accurate. Something. So
2: it
0: so
2: keeps changing. So, yeah. Go ahead. Mort. Keeps changing. So, like uh, in an aircraft, if we lose an engine, so like I'm talking about my uh, like a school acre right? where I was learning. Right. Right. So if we lose an engine, we'll fly a particular indicated airspeed. And we will adjust our pitch to get that speed. Indicated airspeed. Which right. will give me eventually the best glide. On the paraglider, we don't have anything right. which indicates give us the indicated airspeed. So we have a ground speed and we have the glide ratio on the variable. So the only way to control your pitch is best is speed bar. Now you have to play around with your speeder and get Get to see where you're getting the max maximum glide ratio, and then I will not say that will give you for the entire duration of the flight. But you'll we'll have to keep on adjusting your pitch uh, with using your speed bar. So this is what I've been learning to do. It I've not been able to. So I can't really say go full full speed bar or go. No, no,
0: you've got to adjust how much. So yeah. at sometimes yeah. at uh, 50% also you get a better glide ratio, and yeah. sometimes at full speed bar there's always that Macready's thing which says that you know you might reach there faster but you might reach slower versus exactly. without the speed bar, you might right, reach higher but slower so we really don't know that's that's a big gamble in that it's a very so in way. an
2: aircraft we are, we, can, we are controlling our pitch to get a particular indicated speed but over here since we don't have indicated speed indication with us uh, we so use we, the glide, we, ratio. Yeah. We, we glide ratio and that is the best indication that we want um, like, but we do not use that act- actively as I am saying because of your habit do you use that actively? yeah I mean I have been trying to uh, get that in my scan uh, Lately, and I've okay. been using good. a speed bar, adjusting it. To awesome. Get look for the Be- maximum glide. Because
0: a lot of people shy away from using a speed bar, but that's a that's a good thing. Cool, Shabbat. Anything you want to?
3: I did 32 or... years ago. I went from one stage the to the other as fast important. as I could, <laughs> so I didn't lose whatever or loss, I had lost. I catch and climb again. I a speed bar for me. So. <laughs> Okay. My, my goal was purely to get to the other ridge, uh, other knuckle as soon as I could. So I, yeah. I use the speed. Bump. Right. Yeah. But, uh... And also, uh... Ashu sir, are you flying with the? I'm just using the same vario. I don't have an instrument. No, I I don't have don't have a instrumented thing. I just have the same beeping vario, the blue fly. I normally I normally tuck myself behind Ashu sir. <laughs> <laughs> His dear reckoning of in three dimensional space is pretty accurate. Okay. <laughs> so probably be as close to any of the fanciest gizmos guys are carrying. So you just tuck yourself behind him.
1: And you know, that's one part of the thing. But what uh, uh, like what Mohit just mentioned about you know, the speed bar, what Sajid also mentioned a lot of people not flying with the speed bar. You know, it's, it's I, I want to admit something here. I'll be very frank. I have rarely ever used my speed bar. And I know as a pilot that actually, you're, by doing that, you're restricting yourself to only a certain portion of your controllability of the machine or, or the glider, for the other wing, right. from the point of your hands being fully up to the point where your hands are you know, touching the stall point uh, in that range. The other extreme of the speeds that you can maintain are, are not being used by you because you're not touching the speed bar. That's actually you are restricting your envelope uh, phenomenally, and that's something I need to learn and uh, get around. I don't
0: don't know why everyone there there is a you know the reason why most people don't use speed bar probably is because after SIV uh, the same uh, a collapse without a speed bar versus a collapse with the speed bar is more dynamic, so everyone feels that it could be a more dynamic kind of thing. In fact, um, with the speed bar, the wing stretches and uh, it becomes more flatter. And it becomes far more difficult for it to collapse. Also, there are a lot of things. A lot of uh, people uh, like uh, like Shunik for that example. He flies with speed bar all the time. He doesn't take off his feet from the speed bar. He is a fast uh, guy. So there are different things to that. Yes, but
1: yeah. Uh, In my case, it's a, it's, a, it's very funny. I don't use the speed bar because ninety percent of the time I can't get the damn thing out. <laughs> Oh I, you know, I'll put my, I put my foot on oh that, uh, my that loop. <laughs> I put my foot the loop, and I try, I'll, I'll try and pull it out. Then it, it won't come out. Then I'll open the strap. Then I pull it in my hand, and I put my leg down. In the meantime, I say the hell with it. I'll, I'll, I'll fly this, it out This down. is about
0: getting ready. So what you do is on the velcro, you the velcro becomes very is very, uh, you know, it's it, it sticks it very tightly. So what you do is you take mm-hmm.
1: dry grass and make the velcro less sticky. Actually, I think the, the problem is not that. The problem is somehow or the other, either that my legs are too small or something, or they don't bend, I'm not flexible enough, they don't bend far enough, because the loop goes go, go behind, I can't get my heel into it.
0: The other thing is that you can use a stirrup, and the stirrup can be attached to the speed bar. So, you, when you take off, you fly with one leg in the stirrup. I was, I was you about to
3: ask, I saw some guys yeah. do that. Is, it, yeah. is that, uh, they're basically running with one leg through the speed bar already? No, the stirrup. Not yeah, the, the stirrup. Yeah,
0: exactly. The the stirrup is 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 like this, and just the the stirrup is like this, yeah. and uh, the speed bar is attached in between over here. Here is a speed bar. It's attached with the line. So your stirrup is here. You can keep your legs here. When you want the speed bar, you just push your leg here and push ah. the speed bar. Ahead. Okay. So uh, that's that's a possibility also. Advance has that design. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll we're go. still on low
3: experience. I haven't really had the opportunity to play around with it much. You need to come and
0: we'll go for a tandem Tell flight. Tell me about it. Tell me about <laughs> it.
3: Okay, cool, guys.
0: I think we have uh, gone more than an hour and a half, the longest oh, that oh, I've wow. uh, had an episode for. Lock, lock. So, uh, is there anything else you guys want to say,
3: share? Varun's checklist also has the last part. PA to passengers. You haven't heard his PA, PA? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I don't know about that. I need to hear that. <laughs>
1: Before every off, please make sure you're all there in Beer Latest by the 30th of September, so we fly. Correct. We can all fly together on the 1st of two onwards. Correct. Let's. We'll be, be there, sir.
0: sir. Yeah, I would love to fly
1: with you all again. It'll be good fun. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be there.
0: Okay, guys, thank you very much. I got huge, huge respect for you guys mm. for flying. It's not an easy thing, and also for uh, trying to take time off and fly uh, paragliders. Um and honestly, I learned a lot from you guys. Um, theories and you know, the attitude and checklist and Mohit going and getting excited about uh Rio and wanting to fly acro and Shabad always getting worried about you know kiting and uh, and ready to go fly because he can't it's not, it's his...
3: not worried, it's it's like uh, it's a pursuit. It's something it's not worried, but I would say I think, I think uh, for most of us, uh fixed wing guys, uh if it doesn't hit that mark that you made for yourself, we keep coming back around to do it again. It's just a thing.
0: So, <laughs> no, but I, I see, the, I see the, the, the need to fly, uh, like, uh, to need to is, for you. Like we'll one thing that, that I
3: want, uh, you know, I want to have the reins on completely. And I haven't had enough. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, you had a gap because of this pandemic, but I think we'll, we'll get back to December. But really, thank you guys very much. Thank you for uh, being there. Thank you for being good friends. And uh, thank you for let's fly together. And uh, thank you for coming on this, uh, on, the, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, Thanks, thank you. It was, it was a, Thanks, a pleasure. You, to, I hope you all enjoyed. And uh, we really got a lot of uh, tidbits that we can use and the community can can also use so uh thank you everyone for listening on uh, to this uh, podcast and uh, uh we will be coming with uh, some more stuff uh, soon if there is any feedback that you want to give me on on this if you want uh, to do uh, uh, to invite any particular guest on the podcast please do write back to me or, uh, if there's anybody uh, that you would want to know from this particular podcast and you have questions for anyone, please feel free to write to me. And uh, thank you very much for listening in. And it was a pleasure. It was fun. Thank you, guys. Okay.
1: Thanks a so lot. Thanks. Okay. Thank thank you. Bye. Take care. Thank you, Sajid. Bye. Bye, Shibal, Bye, Varun. Bye, Borat. See you. Bye, sir. Bye, sir.